Matthew 18 is where we're going to be today. Uh, I'll tell you how uh, my trip went. If you'd like to know, I want to thank Dwayne and Pastor Cliff for preaching the two Sundays I was away. Uh, we got off on a good start. On the first day we traveled, we stopped at a um, Cracker Barrel in Little Rock, Arkansas, and we came out after our delicious dinner to find that somebody had broken into our car and had taken um, my daughter's uh, Janelle. We had picked her up in, um, in Jackson, Tennessee and had gone to Little Rock. They had stolen her purse, which had her computer in it, and they had stolen her uh, backpack, which had her camera in it. So, um, not the most... Uh, it's funny that today we're talking about forgiveness because that happened, you know, on the way, and it's like, oh man, forgiveness is difficult, I gotta tell you. Uh, we weren't that forgiving. Uh, I was, uh, it took me a little while to get over it, let's put it that way. And we headed on to uh, Houston, because who doesn't want to be in Houston in July? Uh, that makes a lot of sense, and... Um, we had an opportunity as a family to work with some folks who, uh, whose homes are still not uh, fixed after the hurricane from last nine months ago. It's interesting to me that there would still be uh, work that needs to be done nine months later. Um, we entered a couple of homes. Um, we kind of did a family mission trip, and we, we entered a couple of homes through an organization called um, Praying Pelican, which I hadn't heard of. Miriam found it. And uh, we worked with... Um, really lower income families, a lot of times they don't know where to turn, they might not have had insurance, and so they just sort of assume they're not going to get any help. So this is an organization that helps them, it provides the, um, the funding to fix some stuff, and so one lady's house had, uh, the shingles had blown off and water had come in through the roof and had torn up her uh, living room, her ceiling, and so we had the opportunity to finish that project. And then the next house we went to the next day um, was a fellow who really, I don't know when he's going to get back in his house because he had one room that was complete. He's wanting his bedroom done. And then the notion was he, he could move back in once he had those two rooms done, but the rest of it was just sort of, it really wasn't a great situation. While we were there, it rained uh, one day, and it rained so much that they sent us home because it's such a low area that it flooded. So just... I, Really, honestly, I hadn't prayed for Houston in a long time because it's kind of been out of sight, out of mind for me. But a lot of folks there still aren't back in their homes. The fellow we were helping, I'm fairly certain, was living out of his car while his home gets fixed. And so, just so you know, that's kind of what we were about the last couple of weeks. But again, I thank Dwayne and, and Pastor Cliff for for taking care of, of things while... and, and all the staff and all the volunteers. It's nice to be able to go away and then um, not have to worry, and so I didn't worry about that. Um, my hometown is Danville, Kentucky. Um, that's where I grew up. It's right in the center of the state. Uh, it's a kind of sleepy little town. We have about 16,000 residents. And um, several years ago, the guy that was the uh, assistant principal when I was in high school, a guy named Mr. Traxel, I don't know, Jim was his first name, Jim Traxel. We never called him Jim, we called him Mr. Traxel. Mr. Traxel had a neighbor named Mr. Cowell. Um, I know the subdivision, I know the houses. I could take you there tomorrow. Um, they lived next to each other, and the problem, there was a problem. The runoff on Mr. Traxel's property, the rain, would run off into Mr. Cowell's property, and Mr. Cowell didn't like that. And he said it messed up his garden, and it got into his basement. And they sort of had this running conflict, kind of a Hatfield and McCoy kind of thing going on, because that's who we are uh, in Kentucky. Um, so once, one uh, August evening on a Sunday night, 
Mr. Traxel was mowing his yard uh, near the property line, and Mr. Coel um, took his rifle out and shot him to death. Now, what's interesting is Mr. Coel was 78 years old at the time, and this feud had been going on. I tell you that story to, tell, to, to say this. Um, for, forgiveness is alive <laughs> and well, and um, it, it's, it's all around us. It's in Danville, Kentucky. I mean, it's, Danville, Kentucky, it's not like we have gangbangers and we don't have drive-by shootings and we don't have a lot of road rage because we don't have any roads. Uh, so um, uh, everybody's riding a horse, you know. So anyway, um, not a lot of reason for these sorts of things to happen, but unforgiveness is everywhere. And, and it's not as if we live in a, in a society where forgiveness is lauded. Um, you, look at any great movie. I mean, think about it. Um, think of the greatest one, Braveheart. Braveheart is a lot about revenge, right? I mean, it's freedom. It's, great, it's the greatest movie of all time. Uh, you, you got um, the greatest Christmas movie of all time, Die Hard, uh, also about revenge. Uh, you got uh, The Godfather, uh, I mean, Gladiator, Gran Torino, A Time to Kill. These are the ones I could... Um, Revenge of the Nerds. It's in the title. Uh, so there's just... And it's just hard to think about movies. I can't think of one where forgiveness is the theme, honestly. And then you've got Lehman Neeson. Can you imagine this, this deal? You know, he's on the phone, and, and he's, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. You, know, you remember that scene from, from Taken? Uh, if, it's, uh, if it's a ransom you're after, I can assure you I don't have money. But what I do possess is a particular set of skills. You remember this? Uh, it was awesome. And he says, skills that I've acquired over a long career, skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. <sighs> and every dad in the room was going, that's right. Uh, that's right, right, that's right. If you let her go, that will be the end of it. I will not come after you. I will not pursue you. But if you do not let her go, I will come after you. I will find you. And then he should say, and I'll forgive you. Because then, then we can have uh, uh, it all ends here. Forgive me. That would be the, the new movie, right? But, but it's not that, right? It's never that. It's always, I'm going to get you because you did me wrong. I'm going to get you because it, even... In like cartoony movies, uh, I got to show you a scene from. This is like maybe my favorite. It, I'd love the scene. It's sort of a negative illustration of what we're going to talk about today. Do I need to click, or are you just going to play it? I'm clicking. Oh, here it is. It is not for sale, but all you got to do to win it is knock down that little spaceship there. <laughs> it's easy. <sighs>
whoa, whoa. What was that? She hit that. I saw that with my own eyes. Hey, buddy, let me explain something to you. You see that little tin spaceship? You see how it's not knocked over? Do you know what that means, Professor? It means you don't get the unicorn. Oh! Uh-oh, somebody's got a frowny face. Ooh, better luck next time. Okay, my turn. Even in our songs, um, you know, Carrie, Jesus, Take the Wheel Underwood, you all know her, right? Um, beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, she had another one called, uh, let's see, um, uh, Before He Cheats. Uh, I dug my keys into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive, carved my name into his leather seats. You never do that. I mean, that's evidence. Um, I took a slugger to both headlights, slashed a hole in all four tires. Maybe next time he'll think before he cheats. Those are the lyrics. Can you say psycho? I mean, uh, think about it. Yeah, I wonder why he gave up on that relationship. <laughs> Maybe we should look in the mirror. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. Anyway. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of role models toward forgiveness. And so today we're going to look at this really cool story uh, that Jesus tells about forgiveness. Because evidently, it was a big issue even when Jesus was around. Imagine that. Evidently, forgiveness has been an issue perhaps from the beginning of time, from the, the beginning of mankind. It seems like you can look in the Old Testament and you can find stories of people not forgiving. And so... Jesus has posed a question about forgiveness. And Jesus teaches on forgiveness a lot. He, one time he said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. And it is an incredibly difficult teaching. Turn the other cheek. One of my favorite stories, this guy's a man named Sam Jones. He was one of the the Methodists used to, in the, in the late 1800s, middle 1800s, they had circuit riders, and so a guy would ride from, on his horse from one place to another, preaching in different uh, churches or venues or out in the field, really. And Sam Jones was one of those guys that was a circuit riding preacher. And he showed up in this one town, and the town bully uh, says, are you, you going to preach today? And Sam Jones said, yes. And this guy proceeds to slap him on the face. And... The bully says, you know what the Bible, the, the good book, he said, you know what the good book says about when you get slapped on the, on the face? And Sam Jones says, um, it says, turn the other cheek. He said, well, turn it. And he slapped him again. And this is the quote I love. Jones says, he proceeded to slap me on the other side of my face, but then there being no further instruction from the Lord, I proceeded to beat the mischief out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Laughter 
So, evidently twice is all you got to go, and then it's okay. Um, Colossians, this is kind of um, where we're going to land for a little bit. Forgive Jesus, Paul writes this, it wasn't Jesus, but Jesus taught about forgiveness. But Paul writes, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And really, our motive for forgiving isn't that they deserve it. It's not that they've earned it. We forgive because we have been forgiven. And honestly, it's probably one of the most difficult things that we have to do as followers of Christ is to learn how to forgive. And Jesus' disciples struggled with this. Now, in Jesus' day, the rabbis would teach that basically three strikes and you're out. So the, the common notion around forgiveness was that you would forgive three times. And after that, you didn't have to forgive any more. Sam Jones cut it down to two. Uh, but uh, the rabbis said three times, and then, then you're okay. And so Simon Peter, w- when you're with Jesus, you figure out he's different than everybody else. And he is a rabbi, but he's not like the other rabbis. And so Simon Peter, one of his closest friends, decides to ask Jesus about the whole forgiveness thing. And it's almost as if... He's trying to, to say, are those rabbis right? Is it three? And, and so Peter came to Jesus and he asked him, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? And then he, he's incredibly magnanimous. Up to seven times? I mean, not three like the, the rabbis. I'm going to double it and plus one. Uh, s- seven times? It, seven and, and Jesus' response, no, not seven, but 70 times seven. Okay, now, I'm mathematically challenged, so I did this before I got here, but that's 490, okay? 70 times seven, 490. But you have to understand something about the way the Jewish mind worked, because numbers held greater importance than just the number. So, uh, the book of Revelation is probably the place you're going to see this the most, but... Uh, the number four, for example, is representative of the earth. And you, you, know, you, have, you have four seasons and the four corners. And so four is kind of the number of earth. Um, six is the number of man. I don't know. I don't remember. I've probably read this before. I don't quite recall why it ended up that, that way. But when, when Jesus gives this 70 times 7, it wasn't, he wasn't saying keep a tally, have a book. Once you get to 490, 491, you can you know, beat the mischief out of them. He's not saying that at all, in fact. There's a formula to this. Seven, in in the Jewish mind, represents perfection. There were seven days of creation, etc. So you'll see a lot of times seven, the number of perfection. And ten is the number of completeness. And so you have perfection and completeness. So Jesus basically gives a formula. It's completeness times perfection squared, which means it's total and complete and limitless. This is what Jesus instructs. And then he tells this story about forgiveness. And we're going to look at it. It's found in Matthew 18. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Um, the estimate is about $3 billion. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you run up $3 billion in debt, but somehow this guy had, that's some kind of line of credit, if you think about it, $3 billion. 
10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was unable to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now think about it, just for a second. You, you owe $3 billion. You, your wife, your kids, and everything you have, they're not going to be worth $3 billion. The, the king is taking a loss. I mean, he's taking a, an enormous loss. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him, and he said, Be patient with me, and I'll pay back everything. We have a word for that where I'm from in Kentucky. That's called a lie, because there's no way he would pay back everything. It's, it's impossible. I mean, $3 billion, what, what, you can't take a side hustle and get $3 billion out of it. I mean, it's just impossible. And the servant's master took pity on him, and this is the key. He saw that the guy was unable to pay and would never be able to pay. And he's already going to take a loss. He's going to take a huge loss anyway. So, he has pity and he cancels the debt and he let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. By the way, that's not pocket change. This is... It's about $5,000. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a substantive amount. Now, compared, compared to $3 billion, it's not much. But if somebody, I, I would dare say, everybody in this room, if somebody owed us $5,000, we'd want to collect. I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think that's probably true. Between five and $10,000, that's a lot of money. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. By the way, those are the exact same words. Be patient, I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw this, what had happened, they were outraged and went and told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed, which was impossible. And then Jesus says, this is how your heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. And it's this teaching that sort of is sobering to us. So let's talk about the why of forgiveness, okay? The why of forgiveness. Number one, unforgiveness reflects poorly on our Heavenly Father. I've got daughters, those of you who have children, especially when they're little, how they behave has some reflection on you as a parent. Intuitively, we know this to be true. I know with my girls, it reflected on us how they behaved. When they behaved well, it reflected on me. When they behaved poorly, it reflected on Miriam. Uh, that's how um, that's how it, I felt about it. And so I, I know that's kind of that's kind of how it worked. But 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 our kids take our actions. Uh, th- this weekend, Miriam is in uh, Kentucky. Um, I may have mentioned this, I don't know that I mentioned this, but I, my, one of my daughters, my, our third daughter, Janelle, uh, who's 20, 20 something, 21, we're going to go with 21, um, uh, is engaged and she's getting married in October and um, Miriam is away looking at wedding dresses. And so Elise kind of hung out with me this weekend, which was awesome. And what I, 
she made blackberry cobbler. Now, my wife makes blackberry cobbler. Elisa's never made blackberry cobbler. Have you? First time? Yeah. Um, so, I hear her on the phone talking to her mom. Where's the rising flower? Is that something? <laughs> Self-rising flower? Okay, okay, okay. You notice who she didn't ask. <laughs> Strategic in this story. <laughs> to note it wasn't me. Mama, where's this? Where, where's that? And so she has the recipe on her phone, and she makes blackberry cobbler, and it was delicious. It's delicious. And she didn't get that from her dad, but she's watched her mom, and she knew what to do. Because our, our children take after their parents, and they learn from us. And whether it's good or bad, you know, they could learn how to yell, or they could learn how to be kind, or they could learn from my wife, you learn how to be patient. You, it's hard to be around Miriam and not learn how to be patient, because she is incredibly, she's just settled about things and, and calm. She's, she's unflappable, and it's a great trait to have, unflappability, I think. And so, when it comes to forgiveness, we have a Heavenly Father who sets this high standard of forgiveness. I had the opportunity the other day uh, to, to offer forgiveness. I, I went to get my hair cut, and um, I told the lady I'd like to look like George Clooney. Uh, you know, uh, I told her to Clooneyize me. Uh, you know, that, that was kind of, he's from Kentucky, I'm from Kentucky. You know, Johnny Depp from Kentucky, I'm from, I mean, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Uh, so, um, Clooney's, you know, we're homies, and uh, so uh, this lady set about the task, and it was kind of nice. She was humming, kind of humming a little tune, and I thought, that how she, she's enjoying her work, Clooneyizing me. Uh, it's really great. And then I recognized the tune was to Mission Impossible. Uh, so, I don't know, that was very friendly, but uh, look at what Scripture says. Where is the God who can compare with you? Micah is extolling the virtues of God. Where's the other? What other God can compare to you? Wiping the slate clean of guilt, turning a blind eye, a deaf ear to past sins of your purged and precious people. You, this is sweet language. You don't nurse your anger and you don't stay angry long for mercy is your specialty. And I don't know about how many of us we could say mercy is our specialty. But it's our Father's specialty. And when it comes, when we come across as unforgiving and we claim to be followers of Christ, it's a poor reflection on our Heavenly Father. I talked to Mallory last night, one of my other kids, and um, she had met somebody and <laughs> had shaken their hand. And the, the man commented, you have a very firm handshake. And Mallory said, I'll tell my dad. <laughs> because when they were little, we instructed them. You know, pastor's kids are a special bunch. And we taught them early on, when people shake your hand, you shake back, you grip. You look at them in the eye, you say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. And we went through this. And I remember, even as a, 
my daddy was a truck driver, but he taught me these things. And I remember sometimes I would be leaving the, the door and daddy would say, remember who you are. And what he was saying is, I have a reputation in this community. Don't mess it up. <laughs> or I'm going to kill you, uh, basically. Uh, I have a reputation. I have a rep, I, you know, people know us. They know the vests. Man, again, my, my hometown isn't that large. People know the vests. They know who you are. Remember. Remember who you are. And I think when we are prompted to be unforgiving, we have to remember who we are. A second thing about why we forgive is that God knows when we don't. Look at this text. Oh, this is going to keep some of you up at night. The Lord watches everything closely, examining everyone on earth. This is only a bad deal if you're doing bad things. I'm kind of glad he notices everything on earth. Because if I do something good, I really don't need to tell everybody about it because God knows. One of my favorite little stories is about a Catholic school and they... um, they had set out the lunches, and, and one of the nuns had written, there was a, a kind of a pile of apples at the first front of the line, and the, one of the nuns had written a, a note that said, take only one, God is watching. You know, but down at the cookies, there wasn't a note, so some kid scrolled, take all you want, God's up there watching the apples. Uh, you know, so... Uh, um, <laughs> Interestingly enough, God can watch the apples and the cookies at the same time. He's, he, he can watch everything closely. And, and the Lord does watch everything closely. And so God knows when, when I'm unforgiving, He knows that. It doesn't reflect well on Him, and, and He knows. A third thing is it neg- negatively affects others. Not, it's not just about how it affects me or my Heavenly Father. In this story, if you think about it, there, there's something called community. The Bible talks about community a lot. And there, there's a text in Scripture that says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, that's a community thing. And so when you have success, I, I should celebrate your success. And mourn with those who mourn. And so when you have trouble or difficulty, uh, my, my part of community, part of my job is to, um, to be a part of um, helping you get through that. And then when you struggle, the Bible tells, tells us that we're, we're to, to encourage one another and lift one another up and, and offer, offer words. I'll tell you a story. It's kind of a negative example of me, but, but it's true. Uh, when I was in Michigan, um, we lived there about eight years, and I was a pastor there. And I was in a pastor's um, prayer group, and we would meet about every other week, I think. I, I think it was every other week. And there was one guy in there, and... My girls all played sports, and I had a tendency back in the day to kind of yell at referees, mostly because they needed it. But, but, uh, um, but it was a bad look, honestly. And one of my pastor friends said to me, now he, did, he wasn't judgmental, and it wasn't even snarky. He, we were in conversation one time, and I was talking about one of my girls playing ball, and he said, oh yeah, I've heard about you. <laughs> And he proceeded to tell me that somebody from his church had mentioned to them how I yell at the referees. And I, as God is my witness, because he sees everything, I've not yelled at a referee since. Because why, why would you want that reputation? Uh, what I would never want, think about this. On Friday night, I'm yelling at the referee for making a mistake. I mean, 
Referees make mistakes. I'm, Friday night, I'm yelling at the referee. What if he showed up on Sunday in my church? And I say something, he says, that's not how it goes. No, no, no. You didn't exegete that right. I mean, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> what Bible are you preaching from? You need glasses. I mean, you know, stuff like that. You wouldn't know a Bible from Reader's Digest. Uh, you know, uh, by the way, I'm not encouraging heckling the pastor, so please, it's not what I'm talking about. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. In our story, the man was unforgiving, and it didn't just affect the man. The, the Bible says, uh, Jesus in the story says, so the man, we have to presume because the sentence before was the man was going to be sold into to slavery and his family and everything, you have to think his family was affected. You know the fellow servants were affected because it said they were disturbed. The, the word exactly was they were um, greatly distressed at this action. It, it angered the master. See, unforgiveness in our spirits is a plague on our soul. It's like cancer to our soul. But when we forgive, it's sort of this salve for our hearts. Solomon, this great man of God who was incredibly wise, said, He who covers over an offense promotes love. Whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Fourthly, we forgive because God expects us to. Jesus said, When you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins also. So we cultivate this heart of forgiveness because it's the right thing to do. Now, this is why, let's talk about how, because how is important. We have to remember how much we've been forgiven. Today as part of our service, we're going to take communion. In fact, we're going to do it really pretty soon. The Bible tells us in, when we're taking communion, it's, it's an opportunity for us to remember in fact, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Well, what are we remembering other than the fact that Jesus has forgiven our sins? What are we remembering other than the fact that Jesus loves us so much that even though we are wicked people, or at least we were, he was willing to take our sins upon himself when we did not deserve it and had not earned it. We are reminded of mercy and grace. We receive what we don't deserve and we don't receive what we do deserve. So we're, we're going to remember today that we've been forgiven of, of <laughs> countless sins. We're saints who have been saved because of the sacrifice of Christ. One last thing. How do you learn to forgive? You cancel the debt and you let it go. Um, because that's what the king did. He canceled the debt and he let it go. When I think about it, I think about this. Um, you've seen helium balloons, right? And if you have a string on it and you tie it to your wrist, they can't get away. But we've all seen helium balloons get away. And if I had one and took it outside and let it go, and let it float away. 
I know it's not always that easy. But the Bible tells us that God is in control of all things. Even the things that we're mad about, even the things that we have a hard time forgiving, God is in control of all of it. And a lack of forgiveness is basically saying, God, I don't think you can take care of this as good as I can. (laughs) Those thieves in Little Rock, Arkansas, stole our stuff. But they didn't steal our faith. They didn't steal our relationship with our family. They just took stuff. And I'm sorry that they felt like they were in a position to have to do that. And if it's any of you that are in here today, I forgive you. Because I know the reputation of some of you. Okay. <clears throat> we, we have to get past, I mean, stuff. And sometimes people have hurt your, your reputation, and that's, <laughs> that's horrible. Or maybe it's an ex-somebody. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for showing us your word. It was a cool story Jesus told. And we know he's right. And deep in our spirits, we know he's right. Help us to represent you well in this world by being a forgiving person. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.